This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Thursday, it's the 22nd of June, 2023. And today we continue our discussion on the future of Braille. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you? Oh, I'm having a great day. What, what a day I am having. Thank you. I'm going to say the you can tell the level of my day because I'm sat here eating biscuits. Oh, and I don't care. Oh, no, no. I'm don't, sorry. don't do it. No, I'm like sorry. These people, I saw an article the other day. We'll get to your problem in a minute, but I want to tell you my story first. Uh, I uh, saw, this, uh, saw this article, right, and it said, in Britain, it's a disgrace because people in this country, they start drinking at five o'clock at night because there's nothing else for them to do. So, they, And also, everything closes early here in Britain. So, you know, you have to kind of get into it early. Hmm. <laughs> the first comment after I saw was, you wait until 5 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> 11 a.m. nothing wrong with that. Right, tell me your problem then. What happened? Um, I caught fire. There, let's move on. That's definitely a biscuit day, right? No, I, I came into the shed, Stephen, to record this show, this gorgeous show. I put my headphones on and I'm tabbing away and I'm thinking, hang on a minute, I can't hear anything. It's fine. It's okay. I'll ask my smart speaker to turn off all the power and then, uh, which it did, lovely, no problems. And then I said, turn it all back on again, which it did, followed by a small explosion from the mixer. Wow. And sparks and smoke. So, um, yeah, my mixer blow up. Blue, blew up, blows up. Blowing, blowing up blowing news. Up. Breaking news. Yeah. Breaking news. <laughs> Sean's mixing console has been... Well, it, it is no more. affected, is that the right phrase? Well, it is really hot here, so maybe, but as, you know, regular listeners will know, I've been having a few few little problems with this mixer lately so i think it just well, basically decided to have no more to do with me and just threw itself under the bus oh. metaphorically well you know something I, I feel your pain because yesterday didn't have that happen thankfully but we did get a chance to record with uh, michael babcock and his wonderful team of uh, people at the mm. unmute presents podcast yes and i met marty and uh, we, we met De Damasi as De well and what a voice oh Honestly, voice him and Michael, they all sound just so well professional. I'm going to say that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the right word for it. Um, I know we struggle to understand the concept around here at Double Tap, but yeah. Uh, yeah, other people are professional. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but anyway, we got the chance to record with them, and uh, before we did that, I uh, I remembered at 20 minutes before uh, the recording time. I uh, went off and checked to uh, see how my Mac was doing because I had to put it into migration mode to move all the content from it from my Mac Mini onto my MacBook Pro, as you do, just for yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just to test it out. Yeah, and how did that go for you? Well, it went okay up until the 10-minute point before we're due to start recording, <laughs> and I was sitting at the sign-in-to-your-Apple-ID screen, and I thought, okay, well, that's all I do. I sign in. But of course, no, you have to go through all these different things and agree to everything and yes. you know, terms and conditions, blah, blah, blah. So did all that and hoped everything would work. Because of course, that's the thing, right? After migration, it's always a little bit iffy whether everything will just work as it should. Iffy. I mean, it the should. Term. Yes. Uh-huh. It, it should work. Should 
Whether it does is another story. And it kind of did. It actually did. I was quite surprised. I hooked it up to my my roadcaster. It it even remembered all the inputs and outputs, dependent on the apps. I went into, this was a cool one. I opened up Parallels because you've got Parallels and Windows running on this machine as well. And I went into WhatsApp and it didn't even ask me for the QR code to scan to link the device. It knew that it was still the same, essentially the same device. It was a proper migration. This just wasn't just a, a restoration yeah. of apps, right? This was a proper migration. So it knew it all already. It kept, it kept all your settings, apart from your passwords, I believe. No, no, okay, so it keeps all those keeps as well. You, oh, everything. Well, well, that's... Because, well, first off, you're dealing with Safari, you're dealing with Keychain, you're dealing with all this. Yes. So everything works. The, the challenge I have is not... The migration between Macs is actually brilliant. The mm-hmm. migration between iPhones... Mm. That's not so good. I don't think that's as good. Now, I don't know if there's a secret way of doing it that I'm not doing that would make it be better. But every time it says, you know, do you basically want to copy everything on this device? It says, it gives you two options. It says, you can either do this by an iCloud transfer, which I think is the one that gets you there quicker, you know, Uh lets you use the system while it downloads everything in the background, or you can do a direct, you know, device to device transfer. Yes. Bring your old phone near this device. Yeah. Yes, and it can do it wirelessly or wired. What do you, I, mean, why, what do you mean wired, though? How does that work? You can connect a lightning to lightning cable. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was surprised by that as well, but I, I, when I did the last one, it gave me that option. Um, it, I never quite know what to do because just putting the two phones next to each other, you think, this is beautiful. This is tech magic. This is going to be great. And then, like, one will screen dimmed. And then 30 seconds later, screen locked. Oh, oh yeah. hang on. Have I got to keep this open so then I'm touching it every two minutes or something to keep it active? I don't think you do. I don't think it matters. But sometimes it can go on for so long and you're not sure, if, is it still doing something? And the amount of Facebook posts I see with people saying, I'm trying to migrate and it's just, it seems like it's stopped. It's been going for four days now. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but when it works, it is like magic. works so well. I mean, things like the face ID and all that, everything like that transfers, right? And you think, okay, so it all works and that's all cool. Um, but then when you go into, say, a banking app, and maybe this is a good thing, but when you go into the banking app, it'll still ask you to reauthorize that device. Yes. And I th- I'm not against that, obviously. I'm, I'm all for my I bank am- being secure. Uh, I'd actually probably be more concerned if it didn't ask me to do that these days. But you kind of think, well, hang on, if everything's inside this, as what is it, that phrase they always use on the WWDC, the... The secure enclave, oh. which always sounds wonderful. I love that. I, I want to. I want to go on holiday to a secure I was enclave. Say, it sounds like a vacational destination. <laughs> That's what I want. I want that on my cruise ship. Have any secure enclaves around here? Um, but yeah, I uh, I think that sounds cool. But right, you've got all that in there. Then surely, if you're transferring from device to device, and it's your device and it's unlocked, I mean, you're not going to be doing this. You know, no one's going to be able to do this unless they force you to. Uh, against your will, um, it's unlikely this is going to happen um, without Apple your, best. Without know your, you know, your approval. No, no, no. Apple knows best, Stephen. Just, just toe the line. What's the matter with you? Just a smile and wave, right? Okay, There's fine. nothing like honing your skills, though, is there? When you've got something like the setup you had there where it's suddenly you just stood in front of a page saying, you know, <laughs> sign in. That's where you really hone and recognise how your level of screen reader yes. prowess. Yes. Because you're suddenly... T- I've got 10 minutes to get this done. And you tap, tap, tap. And then, and then. <laughs> so, I quite like it. I like it. It gives it's like a pressure test. Nothing gets it done. I think it was Steve Jobs that said this. Nothing gets anything done like a deadline. Yeah, and it's absolutely so true. true. Yeah. 
And anybody who knows me knows me well enough to know that's exactly what. You asked me for something three weeks from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem at all. Day before? No, I'm still not interested. Yeah. Hour before? I'll think about it. Ten minutes before? It's done. Yes. We're all like that, I think. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It really is. It's not a good <sighs> habit, I don't think, but it does no. get the job done. Uh, it's just the fact that you waste the three weeks in between worrying about getting it done. <laughs> that's the problem. It's such a waste of three weeks. Um, anyway, today on the show, I thought we would talk about Braille again, because of course we did have that discussion on Tuesday, Michael Babcock, who we did a talk to on the Unmute Presents podcast with Damasi and Marty. That was, that was a lot of fun, actually. A it lot of fun. Real fun. And funny enough, I think they may have jinxed me because I, I, we were mm. talking about the tech we use. I said, oh, I'm using this mixer here. And um, yes, lo and behold, the next day. Goes up in flames. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not pointing at them or blaming them, but it's their fault. No, I, I have to tell you, I'm. I'm just going to say that particular brand of mixer, I'll never buy again. That's all yes. I'm saying on that one. Because I, I, I had a very similar. One. In fact, remember the time it happened to me because I had a very similar experience. Yes, we all thought you had died. You thought I died. Yes, that's, that's how right. bad it was. And trust me, after I learned that, I milked that for all I could get. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> Yours did the same. That's right. I went to Overacting Anonymous for three days. Well done. Um, it was just terrible. <laughs> um, but no, it was uh, it was just ridiculous. So uh, yes, I'm I'm quite glad my roadcaster. Although I have to say one thing about my little roadcaster, though, um, the USB cable ports are never brilliant on these. And I've had really? this problem before. Yeah, and the amount of times it just stops working. You think, where's my audio gone? And then you have to fiddle around with the USB and, and it kind of gets back working again. But I don't know if it could be a cable issue. Oh, yeah. It's your cheap, um, you know, $1 cables. That's what it'll be. You want the braided ones with gold-coated contacts. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. You want those $1,000 HDMI just a cables. signal that just goes 1010, <laughs> irrespective of what's connected on the other end. Cheap is um, cheerful. So, yeah, we were on with uh, the guys talking about lots of things. By the way, I, I've got a bone to pick with that lot. So I, um, well, both were invited on. And Michael Babcock says to me, yeah, you know, I was, I was trying to, uh, we're, just, we're just coming up with ideas, really, because we wanted to get some filler ready in case there was an extra day in the month. Shh, that was a secret. You can't let that in. Don't let the listener behind the curtain. No, that was secret. No, I'm, I'm, I'm inviting the listener behind the curtain <laughs> because I want them to know what goes on over there. They were using us as filler. We were, we were sandwich filler for these people. Ah, uh, yeah. We weren't, you know, prime cuts or anything. We were no. just, we were the filler. Awful. That's what we yeah. were in we every were the... sense. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Well, it should be out next week, so you can go listen to it. Unmute Presents, available on, I believe, all good and bad podcast apps. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, yes, today we're going to continue the discussion on Braille. Uh, lots of feedback on this topic. So we started this conversation with Michael on Tuesday when he joined us, and I was talking about the whole Perkins input keys, you know, the kind of Braille input method that's been around for years. And my question really is, why are we still using that when it comes to using computers, using smartphones it seems to me a, a method which just creates more complication and more difficulty for more people and i think wouldn't it be better if we either went down the route of more qwerty based braille displays or have a separate braille display altogether you actually think about this as almost like a third category a braille display on its own half the size of a wrist rest for example 
that you can just take with you wherever you go. Maybe you could even, you know, get a small version or whatever, you know, and you could just stick it in your bag and pull it out when you need it. Maybe even magnetically attaches to your oh, MacBook. That would be cool. Oh, oh accessories. I love it. Know. Do Braille displays only? I mean, they exist already, don't they? I don't think... I think there's a few, not many. I'm sure on some expo I've seen just a Braille display. Although I may have been No, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think Michael mentioned this as well. There was one where you... years I remember years ago there was one as well, which was like a... It was almost like a flat uh, table in itself. It was huge. And you put your keyboard on it, and then you oh, had right. the Braille display underneath. So you could essentially customise it to suit you with your keyboard. But I say customise. There was like one keyboard option at that time. So it yes. wasn't really... It was just, it was just a whole... keyboards holder. looked the same. Yeah, yes. exactly. It was just those typical big IBM keyboards. Yes. Uh, which were great, by the way. I loved those. And of course, the irony is they're all coming back in this you know, new world of... I wish I'd kept all mine because they were probably worth a fortune today. Oh, yes, to go with your collection. Yeah, of course. I, I always wonder, <laughs> though, how practical is using a Braille display like that with a QWERTY keyboard, right? Because I see people when they place it uh, at the bottom, you know, underneath like the space bar, and mm. I've seen people where they place it at the top of the keyboard. Um, but when you're typing away, to actually move your hands away to read the Braille display, how practical is that? Hmm. Well, I must admit, I don't use it enough in that way. That's the problem. So I can't really say. But, you know, I, I do feel, I, I'm a bit like you, I like to keep my hands on the keyboard in position, whatever I'm doing. So We need Braille cells built into the keys. Yeah. Or maybe some kind of audio representation would be good. Just a screen, <laughs> just a screen reader. There, okay. Just I've basically. So we've gone from reinventing one wheel to reinventing another one. Okay, we've done really well today. Oh wow. Okay, should we get some feedback because lots yes. of people have been getting in touch about this story, and uh, you know, I want to give you a chance to hear uh, what they've been saying. Lena is first to get in touch, and uh, she got in touch via email. Laura, as always, reads our emails. Hello, Stephen and Sean. I am an avid Braille user, but I prefer QWERTY input because I can find keyboards that are comfortable for me. My hands are small and I have severe arthritis. QWERTY input allows me to type enough to get my work done. Braille input does not. I would like to clarify Mantis Q40 input. It gives users the choice. The QWERTY keyboard is built in, but F12 allows toggling between Braille and QWERTY input. In Braille keyboard mode, the F, D and S keys become dots 1, 2 and 3, respectively. J, K and L provide dots 4, 5 and 6. I'm glad you ventured into this can of worms. So much of what we do in Braille adds to its price, I think. In case you wonder, I am typing on a Kinesis keyboard. Best, Lena in sunny San Diego. Thank you, Lena. Appreciate that. And I'm glad that you don't mind us bringing up this particular topic because I was a, a, no, I'm not nervous about bringing it up. I'm happy, happy to bring up any topic. But I was nervous. You were nervous about it. Yeah, you thought we were maybe was. Well, venturing into an area Braille. we shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, people love Braille. And, you know, we, we've so many times we said how important Braille is. So we don't want to come across like we're attacking it at all. No. Absolutely not. But um, it, I just, you know, when you talked to me about this, I just thought that's a really interesting point. Yeah, I don't, yes. I'm not attacking it. I, I'm very much of the view that it, it, we need more of it, actually. But it's, it's making it more accessible to more people Yes, at different stages of their life. Because I think for children growing up who are, who are blind, and in particular low vision, and you know my view on this, that more low vision people, I think, should be being taught Braille irrespective Absolutely. of their eye condition or, or yes. irrespective of where their eye condition is at that point. 
I regret it so much that I didn't learn it when I when I was learning touch typing. Yeah, I but have would you have had the choice? That's the point. They'd probably have told you, nah, you don't need it because your your eyesight's you know okay." And it's surprising, actually, you had mm. RP, right? So, yeah, I was only going in one direction. Yeah, yeah, not the boy band. No, um, <laughs> thank goodness for that. For, for all our sake, I don't know. I didn't. I mean, to be honest, I was really fighting against learning touch typing as well. I was, you know, henpecking away at the keys quite happily. And I hated every second of it, but it absolutely changed my life when it came to touch typing in the future. So um, I think, you know, uh, even I think it should just be um, part of it. You need to learn Braille if you want to or not. It's part of the blind package, right? You need to just have this as, a, as part of the package deal. It comes with it. You get taught it, and you might think to yourself, especially as a, as a kid, you might think, "I'll never use this. I'll never yep. need this." You may not even need it. That's the point. I didn't think I needed it at all, and I got to the age of thirty and thought, "Oh, I could really do with some help right now." Yeah. And that's when things changed for me, right? So, you know, if I had that experience, and that, again, I go back to that point. I was taught grade one; it all came back to me very yeah, exactly. quickly. Well, we've been grabbing those hables, right? Been yeah. using those hables lately, and I. It took me about five to ten minutes to get back into, I know, every um, letter of the alphabet now. And that's always where I start, typing A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yep. And it took me about five minutes to, to get all those combinations back. And within a quarter of an hour, I was typing text messages faster than using the on-screen key. It just comes back to you. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, okay, I want to go to Darren, who's got something to say on this. He's uh, left a voicemail. Hello, this is Darren from Bexley in Kent, responding to the edition of Double Tap regarding Braille. My goodness, there's a lot to unpack. Regarding the Perkins Brailler, I definitely think it does need a big refresh. I'm talking of electronics, Bluetooth, uh, a complete rebuild for the 21st century. Regarding whether Braille display should have input, a Braille input, um, well, I think that would create problems. What would you do about these little mini displays that people use for mo entering data into mobile phones and getting dis uh, messages out on the display? And also there's ergonomic considerations. You can type faster on a Braille input device than you can on a QWERTY device, although I do accept your uh, argument about learning all different uh, commands. One answer may be to have an overlay that would fit over a QWERTY keyboard that would clip under the computer with just the Braille keys on it. That way you would have your Braille input because the software could be configured to have several keys on the QWERTY keyboard pressed down at the same time. Uh, that's all my thoughts for now. I don't think I can get any more in the space of a minute. This is a conversation that needs a lot more time. This is Darren saying bye for now and thank you. Bye. Yeah, thank you, Darren. And uh, it's interesting you mentioned the, the Perkins Brailler. It does feel like that device could do with a bit of an upgrade for 2023, right? I mean, in saying I'm not that... not joking. It's, yeah, but... It's like well, from the Steam Age. <laughs> It's I will massive. say one thing: you could drop that down a few flights of stairs. It is fine. That and a Lenovo laptop. The Lenovo laptop would be <laughs> smashed to bits by when the Perkins Brailler. When I was at Blind College, people used to come out at the end of the day swinging those Perkins Brailers around, and we were just jumping out of the way. It was like swathing death. Those Perkins Brailers—they are so heavy. Um, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. 
Yeah. Some people might keep a baseball bat by their bed. I keep a Perkins <laughs> Brailler for all my note-taking and self-defense needs. But I mean, um, the good, it's, 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 it does bring up a good point, though. You know, not everyone uses technology. And for those people that uh, don't have a computer or don't want a smartphone or whatever, and they just want to take notes on some Braille paper using a Perkins or even, you know, some people still use um, Slate and Stylus or whatever. So um, when it comes down to that sort of thing, you, People need to know how to well input Braille, write Braille. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, you know, you raised that point, Darren, about the, the mini displays. And those can be really useful, you know, for a lot of different purposes. I know myself, the Focus 14, for example, is a great little device. It's so neat and tidy. And, of course, you know, you can get all your Braille on there. You've got the Braille input as well. So you're able to interact. And, you know, from a size point of view, you're not going to get a QWERTY keyboard that small. So, you know, I can understand the value in that. And it isn't always about either interacting with computers, is it? It's sometimes that you just want to take a note or, you know, you. I mean, of course, a lot of these Braille, these mini Braille displays have actually got a lot of technology inside them mm-hmm. that allow you to do a lot of stuff that you don't have to do, you know, by connecting to a computer, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I, I, just, I find this very interesting. I, I want to go to, I, I just, I'm so pleased so many of you have got in touch and engaged on this because I think it's a really interesting comment uh, and, and question that's uh, brought up here by me. Uh, Eden got in touch by uh, email. Dear Stephen and Sean, first of all, I mostly love the show. I especially love that neither of you seem overly sensitive and seem more willing than some in the world today to explore varying points of view. To that end... Someone can pry Braille input out of my cold, dead hands. I type 100 to 120 words per minute in Braille. I become dyslexic when writing lengthy posts and QWERTY. I understand for you or others learning or who don't want to memorise the Braille keyboard, but I would not trade it. Do I have a QWERTY keyboard? Yes. Are there times when it's necessary, because Braille is being stupid, to type with QWERTY? Yes. But I, and I bet many others like me, will tell you we prefer our Braille. For me, I got chronic hand strain when using QWERTY too much. I have to sometimes because there's a weird bug in some apps at some times that when you write a word, it writes it like a billion times. It's a known bug that JAWS people are aware of, but still, I will not buy a Braille display that is just that. They can make those for you, Stephen, and people who want them. I, for one, love my Q Braille with all the function keys, but my Braille input. Oh, and while I will learn to read UEB enough to read books made in it, U.S. Grade Two is always my choice, Eden. Mm, yeah, it's interesting, and I, I'm with you on this. Totally with you on it. That is the method you prefer. That is what you want to use. I totally get that. But what I'm thinking about here, though, is that there maybe needs to be that third option, and the third choice makes it easier for all of us because it allows everything to remain as is. It allows we us to have qwerty braille displays, Perkin input braille displays, but also it allows you to have a standalone Braille display without any keyboard uh, attached to it. And that means you can use whatever keyboard you like, whatever laptop you want. That, I think, is where we need to land on this for this to work. Is and that actually, that, that gives you the options. Is, is that the whole purpose of this conversation, then? Simply that there should be an option where it's just the Braille cells, just uh, the Braille displays with nothing else? Yeah, well, I mean... Because the, the, the... what what were we... What we proposing here to happen because from my point of view i'm thinking um it's adding an extra level into the the learning of braille right we all agree that braille is so incredibly important Mm. but firstly learning to read braille but then you've also 
we need to talk to an instructor here really to get the, the downs on this, the, the, the details, is does teaching the typing, the input of Braille, does that add an extra level of complexity? Does it take away, you know, does, is it extra time that really isn't necessary? I don't, I, I don't know, but that's my only real thought on this. As for other displays, other devices, do you think companies are going to, you know, it's going to cost extra money for them to do another device with a, without the inputs. Do you think anyone would actually go that way? Also, another, so another point is, do you think it would save any money to remove the Braille keys from a Braille display? I don't think so, because it's all about the Braille cells. That's where all the money goes, isn't it? Well, it's, it's an interesting point. That is, Sorry, so that many no, points I just blew out there. Well, but No, but that's, that, that's why I love this discussion, because look, there is no answer here. This isn't about coming up with a solution necessarily. This is just a discussion I want to have to mm-hmm. open up this conversation because I, I just I, I don't think anybody's ever asked this question before. And I think that's part of the problem. And I think we're starting to see what the solution could be if there was a solution to be to be sought here, which is that, you know, maybe you just come up with a, a more modular modular approach. Now, this is something which we know orbit research are doing. They're doing this already. They're building a modular laptop which will have a qwerty keyboard and a braille display and interestingly you can swap out the braille display i would love them to be able to detach the braille display and maybe even sell the braille display on its own and that would give us options right because then you could have any option you could have have a perkins input keyboard or a qwerty keyboard of your choosing so again it's about choice making it more modular means that you can you know mix and match to suit what you need what you want, uh, it gives you the the options you need, and it possibly makes the whole thing a bit more portable as well. Um, your mm. co- your point though about learning, I, I think this is the bit of the conversation where we're clearly we're getting into an area where you're right. We do need to talk to a real instructor about this, but I would often think even a teacher of of children generally, uh, you know, your, your average school teacher for primary or kindergarten would. You know, to me, it's kind of like we're looking at this. We kind of look at it all as one big thing, but actually, in education, you teach a child to write using a pen and paper, and also type on a keyboard. But we don't replace the keyboard for the pen and paper. At least I don't think we do in schools. I, I don't know. know. Yeah, I don't know what no. happens in schools anymore. But I, <laughs> no, I, I see imagine that analogy. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, and maybe that's maybe that's how we need to think about that. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe there's the issue that people don't look at it that way, that actually you don't see Braille as reading and writing in the way of pen and paper, but instead you think of it as an alternative to using a computer with a screen reader. And that is where the problem lies. You know, just it's a case of, well, just use that method. It's easier for you. But you wouldn't do that with a sighted child. Hmm. You wouldn't say, oh, well, the kid can type, so that's fine. Because how would the kid know what he's typing? How would he know what those things, those symbols are that are appearing on the screen? How would you know what those are as a child? It's an interesting question. This is all very interesting. Right, okay, stick around. More to come on this. we get some great comments from you. And those continue next here on Double Tap. Keep your feedback coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call us 1-877-803-4567. Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567, or email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. 
Yeah, the, the buttons are nowhere near each other, honestly. They're <laughs> absolutely nowhere near each other. It's getting a bit regular, this, Stephen Scott. I think it's him. I, that's what <gasps> oh. I think it is. Well, he is, you know, everywhere. Omnipresent. Yes, everywhere. Of course. God uh, bless you, Mr. F. Mystical oh. god that is, according to uh, our Greg in Pennsylvania. Uh, right, let's get back to the conversation then, because we're talking all about Braille and the future of Braille, and uh, Gary has got in touch. Hello, Sean, Stephen, it's Gary O'Donoghue here. Just wanted to drop you a note, because I heard your fascinating discussion about the virtues of Braille output and Braille input on the show. Just to say I love your programme, always listen um, but wanted to make a little contribution on this one, if I could. Um, I think there are a couple of things here. One thing I would say about, you know, not or discarding Braille input is that it would discard the skill of being able to jot down very quick notes at the kind of speed that people who use shorthand use so when i'm you know for example in my job as a journalist when i'm in a press conference and i want to jot stuff down on a braille display i do it in grade two braille just for my own purposes of reading it back and i can just do it faster because it's grade two braille than anyone can do on a qwerty keyboard so that's one thing i would uh, posit in sort of support of being able to use you know a six eight dot keyboard braille keyboard for input but i do have some sympathy with your view that it's not so much braille or writing braille that's the issue i think it's navigating computers with an eight dot braille display that's the problem it's not the inputting of the braille when you're in a document notepad or word etc it's actually manipulating the interface, Windows, Mac, whatever it is. That's the problem, I think, not the problem of, you know, being able to learn to type, you know, Braille contractions and Braille characters. Um, and I think that may be, you know, perhaps the confusion here that that it's the, the interface that's the issue for us. And I completely get that because it is incredibly complicated you know, manipulating a Windows environment from an eight-dot keyboard and remembering all those silly combination commands. And that's, I think, perhaps the thing that we haven't sort of got to grips on. But I, I would resist, you know, only teaching people to read Braille as opposed to write Braille as well, because I think literacy equals reading and writing, not just reading. Um, but I do have a lot of sympathy, as I say, with the manipulation of the interface. So that's my two penneth worth um, for what it's worth. Keep up the good work, guys. Thank you. No, thank you, Gary. Uh, wow. It's great to hear his voice on here. Wow. The BBC <laughs> has spoken. This yes. is the BBC. Uh, thank you, Gary. Yeah, thank you, Gary. That was brilliant. And uh, yeah, really, I have to say thank you so much for uh, for even entertaining this ridiculous notion of mine. Um, although what the show? Yeah, and the show, yes. <laughs> Thank but you. I, I wonder about this one because it does feel like we're kind of now settling on the importance of the Braille input in terms of speed input. You know, so like Gary says, he's able to write in there very quickly in grade two for his notes, which he would need to do. 
um, that is a huge boost. Um, yeah. But it, it does see, yeah, I think you're right, Gary. I think that's what it's about for me. It's about the interface. It's about connecting with a, a Windows or a Mac or a phone or an Android, whatever it is. It, that's the challenge. The challenge is trying to interface with these devices and trying to interact with them using that Perkins input. It just requires so much extra knowledge. And the people I've spoken to over the years who've said, you know, I've got a Braille display, it's got the Perkins input, but I just lift my hands over from the Braille display to my QWERTY keyboard. And that's why, you know, when I saw the Mantis Q40, I was so pleased. Because thought, finally, someone's figured this out, right? Finally, that's it. You need both. You know, you want the Braille display and you want the QWERTY, ideally in one unit. And it was good to see that come along because that kind of answered that, that question, that problem. Mm. But Did that save any money? No, <laughs> definitely did not. <laughs> you know, I don't think there's any way around it when it comes to Braille. I don't think we're ever going to save a huge amount of money here. I think that's a reality when it comes to mm-hmm. Braille. There's no Until they can find a way. And I remember, do you remember just before Apple WWDC, that weird tweet from Tim Cook? That said, oh, yes. wow, you know, an amazing Braille, you know, on iPad experience. On iPad. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> and Did I still we ever don't get an get answer that. to that? No, we didn't. I, I, I've requested it from Apple. I know you're listening. You know, I'd love to know more because I, I honestly cannot fathom how that works through haptic feedback, maybe. But you're not going to be able to understand Braille through haptic feedback, surely. No, that was I mean, saying. Listen, if, you, if they can. Well, that, that takes us in everything. a whole new direction. <laughs> iPhones for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and Android. I'm sure they'll get on with it eventually as well. Um, it, <laughs> mind it's mind so... you, haptics on an I'd say the haptics on an Android phone are much better than on an iPhone, that's for sure. Well, there's plenty of them, put it that way. God, yes. Everything uh, beeps. Everything beeps. <laughs> Do you remember those phones I, you used to get years ago that if they rang, it would like they'd ring off the desk with the vibrations? Oh, that's right. yes. You don't get that anymore. Oh, I had cases with full of LEDs and <laughs> they, oh, it was amazing. I yes. loved it back then. Bright gold. Yeah. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. Um, it, it's such an interesting conversation, this, because we, we sort of go one way and then we're brought back saying, oh, that's an excellent point. So there's, there's no simple answer to this. Um, and also I was thinking about the inputting into a, a mobile phone, into a mobile device. The Braille screen input is so mm. much faster than using the on-screen display. We've been using on-screen, <clears throat> sorry, on-screen keyboards. We've been using them for so many years now. And still, you're never going to be fast entering text that way. It just doesn't matter what you use. You just can't be if you're waiting for the screen reader to announce the letter you're on. Yet using Braille screen input, I mean, it's so fast. It's so convenient. So there's that side of it as well. Yeah. Maybe. It, it, I know. I think this is the great thing about this, right? We're not <laughs> looking for an answer here, but we are having an interesting discussion about where everything sits today because it does feel to me like the Braille standard is extremely compatible with everything that is out there today. It's, it's, it's being implemented in, in lots of good ways. Now, it's not perfect. Of course, uh, many iPhone and Android people tell me regularly when it comes to mm-hmm. smartphones, the integration isn't great. On Windows, it's getting better with Narrator. It probably is at the peak performance when it comes to JAWS. Uh, and VoiceOver, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that many people that use VoiceOver and Braille together. Uh, I'm sure there's many, but I don't know, I don't know who they are. And um, 
you know, so I don't know what the experience is like, but it seems to me as if the peak performance is with, with, with Windows and JAWS, and that's because of that employment aspect. You need to have, you know, the, the, the solid connection between the real display and the computer and it working in a really good and, and you know, important way. And that's where you need third-party support that you that, get with Freedom Scientific. That's just the maturity of JAWS so and Freedom Scientific, isn't it? I mean, for real display companies, we all, I mean, that is the standard they work of. Mm. Or vice versa. You know, it's just, it's been there forever. So that is the standard. Yeah, I, honestly, it's it's such an interesting conversation. I know I keep saying this, but it is. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's we because don't, it we doesn't, don't, it's, but, you know, going back to the point I think Lena made earlier, you know. That's just where I was going, yes. Yeah, we brought this up and, and some people might not bring this up because they don't, either don't think about it or they think they'll offend someone. Uh, by bringing it up. We don't care about that. Well, I don't. I, 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 you know, in order to think, you have to be willing to offend someone. That's the way it works, right? Yes. So, you know, yeah. by opening your mouth every day, you're likely to offend someone. So, and God knows I do it very uh, regularly. Um, in fact, I'm surprised I can speak so clearly with my mouth firmly, <laughs> my foot, I should say, firmly and lodged in my on mouth. your foot. Yeah, it's, it's, that, that's been the mistake all this time. But going back to Gary's point there about actually it's the interface that's the problem. It's controlling the device that's the problem, Windows mm. or Mac. I mean, what's the difference between that using, you know, various Braille cords or whatever it is to control the device then using keyboard shortcuts? It's all a learning process. It's all becoming muscle memory through frequency of use, isn't it? Is it the same with Braille? Well, okay, this is not a great analogy, but I'll, I'll offer it anyway. Oh, I love your analogies. Everyone say analog- They're always brilliant, aren't they? Uh, so here's mine, right? So here I think about the smart speaker. And one of the great things when the smart speaker came along was that for the very first time, you had a device that was really accessible to blind people, which was great. But you also had the ability to ask someone who was sighted a question about that device and they could give you the answer. You know, how do I ask it to play my favourite Elvis music? Well, you just say, play my favourite Elvis music. Oh, cool, thanks. And you could get that information from a sighted person. You didn't have to go off to a special, you know, EchoViz website or something. You know what I mean? You didn't have to, yes. you didn't have to go there because the information was available to you. And I, I think the same, I, I can put that next to the QWERTY thing. Where if someone said, well, what's the keyboard shortcut for, you know, paste? And you look around the room and they all say command or control V. And you say, ah, but what's it in Braille? And they go, ah, no idea. Right? Okay, yeah. that's a, that's a, a, a very light example analogy. of it. Yes, but no, but it you works. get my point. That when it comes to training, you're, you've got two systems running simultaneously. And why wouldn't you just use the one... You know, because someone, I, I did see an email, we haven't got time to get to all your emails today on this, and we will get into them again tomorrow. But I saw one email come through and it said, you know, I don't even use a QWERTY keyboard very well at all. I struggle with QWERTY. But I think if you're typing, you're typing, right? Now, I know Lena mentioned earlier about arthritis and, and the challenges she has using Perkins, which I must admit, I would have thought it would be the other way around. I thought the challenge would be using I QWERTY. Exactly small hands. Yeah. Easy. I thought the Braille would be easy, but hey. He's living it. So and again, it it's be. all, you know, each for each person, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we've got to be very clear on this. But I don't know. I just think if you're training someone, wouldn't it be better to train them with the method that they're like most likely to use and need and also be the most general, I guess, you know? Because and like I say, then you think about how this affects the manufacturers in the future. They then come out with a Braille display which sits in front of said keyboard 
And you don't have to buy a special keyboard or a particular keyboard. You just buy a regular keyboard or the one that's already in your office. I don't know. I just think, it, 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 you know, we, we kind of need all the tools, right? We need all the tools. And I guess maybe I'm looking at it in a sense of maybe we simplify this, but by the sounds of it, a lot of people want the multitude of options because they all yeah. have different purposes to them. Yeah, there's always a use case that we haven't thought of that people have brought up here. Which is what I thought, yeah. Exactly. And that's kind of what I wanted yes. to get to with this, right? Is there a point to this even existing? Or is it just something that's a bit of a hangover from the days when no one knew a computer was? Yeah, because when Louis Braille was around, you know, he 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 wasn't using a Windows <laughs> computer, right? He wasn't no. using Windows minus four. He might have been using a Mac. Um, no, yeah, absolutely I think right. Louis Braille would have used I, a Mac actually. Going yeah, back to um, Lena's point as well about using the um, the, the home keys to replicate Braille input. Mm. I mean, that's another option, isn't it? Using the JKL SDF keys as your Perkins keys. Yeah, Lena was saying that. Yes, yeah. and and you're right because she was talking about the. And this is where the, the whole thing about the Mantis comes in, you know, because you've got that kind of dual purpose. You've got the QWERTY keyboard, but you've also got the ability to use the Perkins keys. Now, what I don't know is when you go into that mode, uh, I know that the Optima has its own Braille UI and it uses that, and it, yes. or it will have when it comes out, and the Mantis has similar. Does it deactivate all the other keys around it? So the only keys that are active are the Braille keys. Uh, yeah, so you couldn't do a paste or copy, Control-X, Control-V, or whatever it may be. Yeah, so how does that work? Oh, F4. Hmm. Hmm, that's an interesting one. Okay, uh, speaking of Rebecca, because I mentioned, I think you mentioned her name, uh, here is Rebecca's email. Hi. I loved your discussion about Braille displays and the Perkins keyboard. 90% of the time, I prefer using a QWERTY keyboard with a Braille display, but the Perkins keyboard is great for taking personal notes on the go. I think you should look at the brilliant BI20 Braille display. It is the size of a paperback book. I have the Chameleon 20 Braille display. It is identical to the brilliant BI20. Don't stress out over the Braille codes. Just pick the one you prefer. I had to learn grade 2 and grade 1 at the same time because my elementary teacher wanted me to learn how to spell. Braille readers are sometimes criticised for being terrible spellers because we use contractions, and I admit I often visualise the contracted version of their, T-H-E-I-R, and their, T-H-E-R-E. Using a QWERTY keyboard reinforces good spelling. I've used Braille since I was seven and learned E-B-A-E. The slate and stylus is based off of the six Braille cell. This is a skill I should learn because it doesn't rely on power or battery. Are there any mainstream keyboards that are just as portable as the Perkins keyboard? Would you consider bundling all of your tutorials into a package that could be purchased? I'd buy them. Thanks, Rebecca. Really? Oh, there's cash in this? Wow, okay. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I, I don't. love you, Rebecca. You, I mean, I, you've got so much tech. You are just like Stephen. It's amazing. Um, some really good points again, right? That's late and stylus. Um, not everyone uses tech. You know what, Rebecca? You bring up a really interesting point here, and it's not one I would have even considered. But you've really got me thinking now on something else, which will no doubt spark a whole other conversation. Uh, <laughs> grade two Braille. Is that helpful for literacy? Does that mm. make you literate or more literate? I mean, I understand that you have to get grade one and then progress to grade two. No one goes straight to grade two. I understand that. So you're learning grade one, you learn grade two, and it essentially gives you that shortcut or short code, if you like, in order to be able to type quicker, like Gary was saying, and be able to take notes faster, read faster as well, get more on the page. But does that actually have an impact on literacy? 
Isn't that really interesting? It is, especially as we constantly lord Braille as the you know the answer to literacy. That's the argument, right? Braille is literacy. Yeah. But hang on, if it's literacy and people who do Braille and in particular grade two struggle with spelling, it's not literacy. There you go. Stephen Scott says abolish grade two. Well right, done, Stephen. Ab- abolish the keyboard. Grade two. I'm, I'm cutting this down to the bare bones here. It's like a it's like a fire sale in here. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring up any trigger moments for Thank you. Thank you. Um, but uh, smoking no, here. I, <laughs> it doesn't hear as well, but only because my brain is currently on fire with ideas. I just can't. This is such an interesting discussion. Wow. Do we do we go down that route? I mean, honestly, I. I Kind of stuck to grade one, not for that, not for that reason actually. That just because I thought it was easier to be honest, yes. and I did want to be able to spell the words, and that was part. The I suppose maybe it was part of it. I don't know, but I didn't really put that thought fully together. But you're right, Rebecca. There is a well. You're not saying this, but I'm suggesting of what you've said that there is an argument perhaps that says that grade two could pose another problem. But I think that's a discussion for another time. I'm sure I'll get pillared for that one. Um, but you know, I, th- I think it's important to raise these questions. And look, we are the show that asks questions other people don't because maybe they don't think about it. I think also yeah. there's a bit of a thing in our community where it's just, and it's not even so much our community, but in the educational circles, in the learning and the teaching environments, that there's a tendency to just follow what we've always done and never really question it. it well, it worked 200 years ago; it'll work today. And Mm -hmm. that is why I think we still have the Perkins keyboard, if I'm perfectly honest, because we've just gone about with, well, yeah, that's what we've always done, you know? And it it takes a lot to make a big change because you have to get lots of people on board with it. And you also have to remember how many Braille readers there actually are out there. There's not as many as there should be. And this kind of comes back to my fundamental point. I want everyone who's low vision and blind to be using Braille. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I think it's a really important tool. I mean, I'll give you a, a great example of this. Because the other night, um, past two days, actually, I've had these really, really irritating headaches. Not quite as far as migraines. Although I've never really had a migraine, I don't think. But I had really bad headaches. And it's always due to the light. It's always the light. That's why I have these stupid sleep shades and I buy sunglasses all the time. And um, I was sitting the other day with the sleep shades on. And actually, just to make them look cool, I put the sunglasses on on top of them. I thought that looked actually pretty smart. That's you know? so funny, because I told Sarah about your sleep shade. Sarah's my partner, listeners. I told her about that, and she said, does he put his glasses on top of them? I said, no, don't be ridiculous. Why would he do that? <laughs> no, I did. And of course. I just obviously did, you know, because I thought it would make me look cool, you know, in my head. I was actually thinking about buying some googly eyes and sticking them on the front of the sleep shades. I don't need googly eyes. No, neither do I. <laughs> Thanks but, to you the stagmas. It just, it just, it's like it almost highlights it to the delivery person. <laughs> just open the door and my eyes are bouncing off the walls. Those ones on springs. Yeah, yeah. lovely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, Where I was, are we going I was, with I, this? I had such a bad headache. Oh, yes. And I'm, I'm listening to my phone and I thought, I just want to not listen to this. You know, it was like I had turned screen curtain on, I'd done all the things I said I would do yes. to try and make it easier. And then I'm listening to this thing and it is just infuriating me. I don't know. I, I wonder if there's a... I've never looked into this beyond just talking about it with people. And you know what it's like, you know, as a guy of my age, whenever you start saying, you know, I think of some auditory processing issues, you tend to get the, ah, you're just getting old, you know, you're yeah. whatever. 
mm-hmm. you know, I do wonder sometimes because I do really struggle with screen readers. I struggle to to concentrate listening to them That's for long for periods. You. Well, yeah, there could be an argument in that, yeah. Um, but, you know, I do struggle with that. And it's just, it's so much and so frequent, you know, it's just, and sometimes you think just being able to sit there and read that information back, you know, it's a skill I would just love to do. And I think, you know, Absolutely. I'll get there at some point, but I'll never be as fast as I would have been had I learned it at school. I, and I think that's something we all recognise as, as we get older, maybe as we lose more and more sight, that it's something I really do regret. Not yeah, when you say regret, but you look, you were a kid. What did you know? And look, let's be honest about it. As kids, this is why I think kids should have no say in this whatsoever. You're getting taught it, and that's it. If I was a teacher, this is how I would do it. I'd say, you know what? You're going to learn Braille. You're going to learn right. a screen reader. You're okay, going to learn to use down. a Mac, a PC, Please, a Windows, an Android, an iPhone, everything. And get that Perkins Brailler out as well. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's why I didn't go to teaching. Um, yes. I said um, it was a temperament issue. But, <laughs> <laughs> Although that's exactly what all my teachers were like. Well, look, <laughs> These days were all lovely and nice and, you know, talk about the world. And my, my teachers just wanted world. to throw us off the walls. How dare they? <laughs> Chucking blackboard rubbers at you. Yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> but that's the point. Look, as a kid, I wouldn't have even gone to school if it was left up to me. <laughs> exactly, um, it, yeah. It, it needs to be part of just, as we said at the start, this just needs to be something that you are taught and you need to know it. Absolutely. Yeah, Because it's so useful. Uh, listen, we'll go to, um, let's see. We've got an email here from Gary I want to bring in before we go. Uh, This is off topic. This is on the subject of Reaper, which we've been talking about. Uh, This is again read by Laura. Hi, Stephen and Sean. Using Reaper does not mean that you have to set Audacity aside. You can use Reaper and fall back to Audacity when you don't know right then how to do something in Reaper. Suppose you are in a Reaper project and you want to edit a track or add an effect that you know is in Audacity but don't know where it is in Reaper. You can pop the track into Audacity, do the edit or effect, and then pop the fixed track back into Reaper and get on with your project. Save the new learning in Reaper for later when you have time to play. In Control-P, Preferences, find External Editor. I added Goldwave, but you could add Audacity as your external editor. Now, when you are focused on a Reaper track, you can press Control-E and Audacity opens with the track from Reaper showing. Do what you want to do to the track and press Control S to save the modified track back into Reaper just where it was. But it is now modified as you want it. <gasps> For me, there are wow. a couple of things that Goldwave does better than Reaper or Reaper just doesn't do. No problem, I just pop the track over to Goldwave, do some Goldwave magic and save it back to Reaper. Magic included. Now you know. So there you go. Gary Crow. Gary, that is incredible. I did not know you could do that. What an amazing tip. Yeah, we're definitely going to try that out. That is fantastic. And she didn't say it there, but side note from Laura, I can tell you she's a Reaper user. And uh, yeah, she was pretty impressed by that as well. That is incredible. <laughs> so That's something cool. I did not know. Uh, that could be really useful for us, Sean, actually. yeah, Yes, definitely. Uh, listen, thank you so much for all your feedback on this. We'll get into it again tomorrow on the show because uh, we have more emails to get to on this subject. It's a really interesting discussion. Thank you all your considerate tone as well and uh, you know for putting up with my ridiculous ideas uh, keep your feedback coming <laughs> feedback at doubletaponair.com 1877803 is our number you can leave us a voicemail on that number if you so desire uh, Sean have a good one talk to you tomorrow yes thank you bye bye stay well unplug everything <laughs> 
Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.